From the School of Communication at American University in Washington, D.C., this is Media in the Mix, a space where we explore topics in communication at the intersection of social justice, tech, and innovation, and popular culture. Did you know that before 2016, there was no definition for the term influencer on dictionary.com? The term is one that is so widely used in common conversation these days, but the concept of being an influencer is still new and remains, if nothing else, a bit taboo. In this episode of Media in the Mix, we explore the idea of being an influencer and how a person can make an impact in the real world with their online persona. We chat with SOC alum, Andy Lawani, who is now the host for Culture Q, a weekly show on Reverie TV about news, pop culture, politics, and more for the queer community, as well as we have Paige Kaiser, who is currently a junior in SOC studying public relations and strategic communication. And she's also a YouTuber with over 300K subscribers. We chatted up about what it means to be an influencer, creating content, and the responsibility they have to their followers in the digital space. Paige, Andy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm super excited to interview both of you guys today. Just for anyone who is listening, what is something that someone should know about you? Like if they didn't know, if this is their first time hearing about you, understanding what you do, what would you say to them? Paige, you want to go first? I'll take a stab at it. (laughs) So I'm Paige. (laughs) And I would say I'm best known for um, the YouTube channel that I created during my freshman year of college which now has over 300,000 subscribers. And it's just a place where I share lifestyle content, college vlogs, and I've gotten the opportunity to work with a couple brands along the way. Now I get to go second. I'm like, cool. I started the channel back in college, but it was not the same day and age, time, not as successful. My time, I actually am a reporter and host. So I work for a publication called whatstrending.com. In my time, I've worked in a lot of digital spaces with brands, affiliates, and more. So I'm not only managing a day-to-day for a publisher, but I also have my own endeavors as a reporter and host that I work with. Awesome. We love to see it. Love to see it. (laughs) With this concept of being an influencer, it's still kind of, you know, relatively new. Of course, it's gained a lot of traction in the past few years. And so how would you guys define the term influencer as, you know, someone who would be defined as an influencer? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll speak a little bit on that first. I think The term in and of itself is hard to define, especially Mm -hmm. nowadays, just because anybody can be a YouTube or an influencer. Anybody and everybody is a content creator. Everyone posts pictures on Instagram or videos on TikTok, and that means that they have an influence. So in that sense, I think depending on if it's a macro influencer with a million followers or someone who's micro with maybe less than 10,000, I think that has really expanded to, it could include a whole bunch of people nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, the word influencer, for me, it's kind of weird because like the word YouTuber used to be thrown around back in the day. People used to be like, oh, you're just like a YouTuber. And now it's a scaled to like a, oh, like YouTuber is now like a prolific word where people Absolutely. like see you have like a, a big standing, you have talent. Sometimes people throw like the word influencer as like, oh, you're just like an influencer. You don't have much going on. So there's whole different scales. Like sometimes people look at the word influencer and, and really see like someone has it going on. Other times someone's just like, this is just someone posting photos online. What's their talent? Like they just have people who go behind them. But for me, at least like there's a lot of people who now 
at least when I was growing up in high school, I Google searched like, what is gay? How do you, how do you catch the gay? Is it contagious? And I came across like gay YouTube on that time. And now it's like, there are so many more stories of people being able to like tell their own narrative from TikTok to Twitter to Facebook to YouTube and like more platforms coming up versus four years ago, even look at such a different time and day and age. Yeah, absolutely. And even looking at just how it's progressed, what would you guys say you thought of about the term influencer before you were in the steps that you are in now, before you were in this phase of life? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Andy hit it right on the head before when he said, oh, you just post photos online. You're just an influencer. That's You don't really have any talent. There's no work behind it. It's easy. Everything's handed to you. And obviously, after being on the other side, so called being a so-called influencer, you realize there's a lot more that goes behind it from an execution standpoint. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's like a lot of learning. I think a lot of people really look at digital media because it's still new. When you look at like digital media advertising, you have a lot more that goes into it where you're now learning a lot of metrics. You're learning about like impressions, reach, CPMs, and a lot of different like skill sets that people don't really think about. So some people get contracted to work with brands or markets that are looking for work. Some people are like, hey, you have a business and I'm looking for help as that business. I see you have a dedicated following. So a lot of these people have been able to like use those skills as well to work with a a wide variety of different markets. Yeah. And with that, what would you say or how would you say you guys use those skills that you've learned or that you've acquired in your everyday? I mean, I feel like for me, when I first started my channel, I wasn't as aware of all of those things. I wasn't really focused on engagement. I didn't know what impressions were, how to, you know, like solicit more views. So a lot of it was kind of learning as I went, kind of pick up on the YouTube algorithm, at least in my case, and realize how to optimize the search engine and all the views on your channel. And it's funny because Andy was saying too, like a lot of those skills people don't think about, but they are so applicable to everyday industry. Like I'm in all my marketing classes, we're constantly talking about CPM and how to drive CTR and all those things. So I think it applies to a lot more than people think. Yeah. I mean, like definitely when I was back in college, which is a few years ago now, it's like weird to say like and be out of college. I remember like being an SOC, doing all the things, like learning my best. And I was in the, the film major program. And at that time, like still as it is now, the word like influencer marketing or digital marketing is so new. So when yeah. I focused like a lot of film, cameras, tech, and I was like, I'm focused in digital you know, media. And everyone's like, I don't understand. I don't work at Nat Geo. I don't work mm-hmm. at Animal Planet. You tell me you want to make videos online and short form content. And I was like, yeah, get at me. Like, what do you want? So in my time at AU, I was like focusing and, and learning through a lot of my friends, like, you know, Photoshop, a lot of different like skill sets of let's talk about like print media. Let's talk about like journalism ethics. So all of my different things I tried quote unquote in college, I tried, you know, doing a lot of journalism ethics classes. I tried working in like a lot of writing, did a lot of social for brands. And then I obviously like pursued a lot of video initiatives. So now I oversee a publisher and it's, it's great because this is the first time I can actually use all of those skill sets of social editorial and video on one roof and be able to speak to like different strategies that in the day to day, like four years ago, five years ago, I'd be like, I don't know, like I'm only in this one pocket, but because I was able to focus so much and think about different ways that we consume digital media. I'm able to speak to like all three different fronts. So not only being in front of the camera, but behind the camera, I'm more, I'd say versed 
but that also came behind like a lot of the skills I tried to focus on in college. So for both of you, being people that got higher education, who went to college and who now um, have benefited from having, you know, worked in the digital and online space, would you guys say that it's of importance to get that background knowledge of having an education or to just practically do the work? That's a really good question. I feel like if you can do it so that you can just create a portfolio, put something together yourself or yourself and never have to go to college then or pursue higher education, I think honestly in this kind of space, that's fine and that's doable and it could work out for you. While I'm interested in media and the digital space and influencing influence our marketing, I don't want that to be the only thing I can do. I don't want it to limit me in that sense. So higher education was worth it for me just so I could have more opportunities when I leave college. But I think someone could very well work on it on their own and they're at their home, like DIY it basically, and not have to pursue higher education. Yeah. Portfolio is really, really helpful. Like a lot of people don't learn until they're like in the situation where you're still trying to figure out what to do. Like there are times where you all sat and be like, I, I think I understand. I'm not sure. And that's where the real learning comes in. When it comes to like a higher education, not everyone has a chance to, to get a degree or go pursue any form which is, you know, something that's really thankful for a lot of us to go to AU. When I was in my time in American, I definitely had some years where I was like, I'm in a slump. I, I kind of know what I'm doing. I feel like the oddball of the class, but there are specific niches where I found in SOC or other territories. I was like, this helps me as a, as a whole. My best class, I'd probably say I took at AU. One of them was called negotiation, like the skills and, and tactics of negotiation. Other one was called leading high performance teams. In those two things, you have a mix of like, I, I took a co-god plus SOC route where I started to learn more about like rights acquisitions and digital media in general. So you think of the strategy when like people are asking, I want this one little piece of content. If you think about the strategy behind it as a communications perspective, everyone wants to put content everywhere. What is the most way you can maximize that? The co-god side of me thought of like, okay, I need the most money for this. I need the licensing rights. I need the exclusivity rights when I'm working with anyone, whether it's for myself or specific brands or even just yourself in general, like what rights do you have? So that's the interesting part is like the creative side kicks in, but there's also the, I'd say agency side of yourself that you have to remember. And I think that's the big thing. Like a lot of people forget that you are a walking billboard as a person in your own field, whether you have what you think is an influence or not. You have a lot of things that people will ask you to do and you're like, well, what are my rights? Do I need to do this? And what can I walk away from? Yeah, that's really good, especially in terms of like learning this new space. If it's one piece of advice that you guys could give to students or really anyone who is looking to kind of, if you will, follow in your footsteps, what would it be? Well, I guess I would target my advice more towards students just because that's where I'm at right now. I haven't yet had that outside experience after graduating the industry, but I would say the biggest piece for me, which was the hardest to overcome is not being intimidated when you first get started. Everyone has to start from the bottom. Everyone has to start with zero followers, subscribers, whatever it is. And it can be disheartening to put all your work, put all this creative work and energy into a project and then have it not get the results or the views or the likes that you wanted it to. I definitely had it took me a while before I actually had a successful video, probably a couple months. So in that sense, I would say you have to stick with it. You have to be passionate about it. 
and you can't get daunted by the fact that you're not going to see instant gratification or instant success. Yeah, even like as an adult, people don't remember like that it takes time for things. I've had so many countless calls with people in their 30s, 40s who are like, why am I not getting results in this right now? I'm like, this takes data. This takes time, honey. Like, <laughs> let's just sit through this and soak it in and marinate it. But I have to say like the same thing. Like you have to have so much patience with anything. And yeah. I always think of like, okay, young people in general, Gen Z is like one of the biggest consumers when it comes to platforms like TikTok, for example. Mm-hmm. When you think of, okay, there is a limitless pool of opportunity in the world. Take advantage of that. Like my yeah. biggest advice is still try everything because my best learning is as you get older, obviously I'm still in my mid twenties. When you think of, okay, you get older, you have a lot of opportunity ahead of you. It narrows in because the risk factor grows bigger. It is just you when you're young, you have no family as much tie as you have no significant other at times, depending if you want that or not, but your risk goes higher and higher. As you get older, you have a career path. You kind of like picked out, maybe you do like a pivot of some sort, but if you do pivot, let's say you start a family and you're like, I want to get in digital media and I'm in accounting, your risk factor goes up. Maybe you're with your significant other, maybe a household income, maybe you have children, whatever it is around you, you have a lot less risk being in college to try something. And whether you're scared or not, it takes time. But just remember like being in digital media, those skills are so, as we said, like applicable to different markets you have so many things that you get to touch that you can take to other industries. Obviously, this is a unique territory in influencer marketing, digital marketing, OTT platforms, and more like media in general is so versatile. So these skills are not just like, again, a one size fits all, but you can take them, whether it's a sprinkle, whether it's like a good chunk to any other place. But I'd say like, don't be afraid to go take that risk when you're young. I love um, what both of you guys said about, you know, risk and just having patience and, you know, it takes time. It really does. And so kind of going off of that, I was wondering if you guys could share that video, that post, that piece of content that kind of, you know, set it off for you that made you see that you could do it. It could be something that was super successful or it could be something where you were just really proud of it. And you were like, this is what I want to do for, you know, for the foreseeable future. Totally. I remember mine like it was yesterday. It was one of the best days of my life. I had been posting videos for a little while, um, like senior year of high school, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And finally, I went to college and I knew I wanted to do this move-in vlog because it was very niche in the category that I'm in, very big. So I was like, okay, this is going to be it. Posted it. And almost overnight, I think I went from 2,000 subscribers to like 20,000 subscribers. Wow. It was crazy. Of course, like that's such a huge gain. Everyone's like, oh my God, the success came in a blink of an eye. They didn't see all the work that all the failed videos that went up before that. But still, that was the first time I knew in myself, I was like, I could actually do this. I think I could continue posting. I People like these videos. Mm-hmm. And it was just like the best feeling. Yeah. I definitely remember that video. Where you're like, you feel the instant gratification. I had my, my first video I ever published on my channel when I was actively pursuing that, which as an adult, it's harder when you like get more opportunity and you're like, what is making me money right now? Um, I made videos in college consistently and it was fun. And it was also stressful, like every week by week, like making something and failing at something. But the first video off the bat had like quite a few thousand views. And my first video online was like DC college girls explain like slang. 
And I was just like, I'm just gonna go talk to my friends. Like when I moved into college, all these people were like saying like, Hella and like bet. And I'm like, what is that? Like, who are you? I am from middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Please explain to me all these things. So I was just talking to my friends and I got a lot of like experience being able to like talk to a camera and learn how to make it like my best friend. So I got those experiences being able to talk to my friends and just have fun. But people on campus would be like, oh, you're the YouTube kid. And I was like, I don't know who you are. Like, sure, like fine. And you'd have, you'd have so many highs and lows when you're like making stuff. But like the biggest thing is when you're having fun and you're not even thinking about it as much of like, what is the outcome of this? That's when I realized like, this is just why I want to stick with it. I definitely had times where I was like figuring it out and putting so much work into it and being disappointed with the outcome. But I learned to like have less of a, I'd say like expectation because those videos, sometimes you think of the least about or media in general, you never know at times. Like as long as you have fun, you remind yourself why you're doing it and you think about, okay, is this important in what way? Why is it important to you? Does the person next to you find that same thing important? Maybe that resonates with somebody else to get you that gratification. That's totally true for me too. I think as I went through the process of making videos longer than just like the first week I had a successful video, I, it started to become, I put value more in the process of making videos, like what I was putting into my videos and how creative, how the angles I could use, whatever else it was for me, rather than the output and all the external validation of like likes or comments or whatever it was. And that's when you just need to find like reward and success in the creative process of it rather than the external validation. Absolutely. I definitely agree. So for both of you guys, even with that piece of content that kind of just took off for you, did you ever see yourself in the positions where you are now? Like, was this something that you saw for yourself? Oh, absolutely not. People's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. I still go to campus nowadays and have people stop me and say, oh my God, are you the YouTube girl? And I'm like, so yeah. weird still. I'm not, I'm still not used to it. And I've had many of those interactions. And it's not just on campus. It's around places. You'd be surprised. Got stopped in Chicago once. I was like, oh, my oh, God. Wow. You're like, <laughs> Bean? What? Like, <laughs> like, I was like, okay. So, no, never saw it coming for myself. But definitely, I honestly thought I would be doing YouTube all throughout college and, like, maybe, like, post-grad life vlogs about that kind of material, too. Yeah. And more recently, I've kind of been evaluating, like, how much longer do I want to do this? Like, how much is this adding in terms of career? So I don't know, like it's weird having this platform at such a young age and like having to decide what I want to do with it and like where I want to use my influence and my energy. What about you, Andy? Yeah. I mean like, you know, when your mom's like, you're a special kid. I'm like, mom already knew that. Like I knew I was special, but like to think about the career path now, no, God, no, had no thought in in my mind. I was just like, look, I don't see any brown boys online. Who am I supposed to look up to? I'm like, I have two people, mom and dad. They're divorced now, whatever. But I'm like, who do I look up to? And like, who, who do I like navigate like this very young gay life, you know? And I just kept Google searching a bunch of questions. So I didn't think that like being gay would help me learn about myself in media and my career. Cause I'm just like, that's just who I am. But it's weird that like people again can like make yeah. what they want about their own personality and life. And media is constantly changing. So like, it's scary because 
what I thought of myself five years ago is now different from what I think of myself now. Like the landscape changes, your risk mm -hmm. changes, and how you see yourself changes based on the territories. Like, again, there's highs and lows and everything. And I'm like, I'm more confident than like last year. Like, cool, great. But it it's something I still never expected. So, and even with this not being what either of you guys expected or saw for yourselves, you kind of just fell into it. And so with that, like over recent years, there's been a lot of talk about an influencer or a public figure's responsibility to the people that, you know, their who follow them. And so do you think that influencers have a responsibility to their followers, even though following is by choice? That is such a good question. And that's one that I've been grappling with, especially as I've decided if I wanted to move forward with my channel or not. I mean, people don't really realize like the pressure that's behind it on having to deliver a video every week. And then I started getting all this pressure from fans or subscribers who wanted to see the videos come out now that represented me when I was like two years ago. Like they wanted to see fresh on the page. Like they're like, where are these vlogs? We missed this. And I, I'm totally a different person than I was two years ago. Like the vlogs aren't going to be the same, baby. I'm sorry. I had to like grapple. Like, am I going to be fake on this video and pretend to be more like my freshman yourself? Or am I going to be who I truly am now? Because people, when I mean, you're putting yourself out online, you're going to get perceived and hated on or whatever it is. So mm -hmm. that was big for me. And I think we, to some extent, we owe our followers what they want to see because they do subscribe to us by choice. But to 100%. another extent, I think we owe it to ourselves to be ourselves and post with authenticity. Yeah, it's following is a choice. If you don't like it, you can unfollow. Plain totally. and simple, end of day. It's mm -hmm. a choice. Obviously, there are private policies of every platform because you're in a public forum. It's a private owned company. As long as you're agreeing to those terms, you're not violating those terms, cool, cute, fine, you're good. But when someone has to tell you like, you should be doing this, it's like you have a, you have a choice. In marketing, every product in its state eventually dies. Like growing up, we all grow up at some point. We're not going to stay the same as Paige said, like cute 18 year old moving in with vlogs. Like you're like, I'm different now. I have a different subscriber base. I have different needs of my own. Like I'm in my whatever year of college and y'all don't know I'm going to TDR on my lunch break, like trying to cram for this midterm. You guys just see like me doing fun stuff. So there is a moral responsibility. There's also realizing your audience and what they do want. How do you balance that? Absolutely. So even with all of that, there has been brand deals, partnerships, collaborations, and even misinformation at the hands of influencers online. And so I want you guys to speak a little bit to just the power of being an influencer, like what's at your hand, even there might be people asking you to speak on certain topics that may or may not align with your platforms or share your stance on something that you might not even want to share about. So can you guys speak a little bit about that power that you have online in a digital space? I mean, totally. Uh, I think brand deals and just sponsorships in general were the biggest thing I didn't see coming yeah. and didn't see for myself ever in a million years when I first started my channel. So, and you don't, realize how much power comes along with that like you really these brands are giving you talking points you're doing their advertising for them and this is a channel that they've chosen to reach their followers with so there's an extreme amount of power with that in the sense of you need to remain true to yourself you can't say yes to everything you don't want to represent a brand that doesn't align with yourself your channel your values and then also the social responsibility you were talking about i remember through um black lives matter movement there people were 
leaving comments like, Paige, are you going to say something about this? I was getting DMs where people would say, hey, look, this person was affected. I'd really like you to say something on your channel. And even if it's just like one follower here or there, it's still like a demand. It's like you're any other brand or it's just corporate responsibility so having a sense of social responsibility at this point. So that was definitely something I had to navigate to is I do want to speak on this topic. I didn't know if my audience wanted to hear about it or not. But once they made it clear that this was something they were interested in, I was like, okay, it's time I say something. Yeah. I mean, like you have to remember end of every day, like, am I the person to lead this charge or am I someone who's supporting this? And there are spaces where we all come in, whether it's people of color to trans rights to, you know, anything that we've seen, obviously in Miss Panorama, there's a whole slew of things. And you have to remember, like, where do I fit in? Am I just saying this because people are asking me to, or am I the right person because I'm actually passionate about this and I've actually said something about it my entire life? You're, you look, you look at like performance-based activism, performance-based models, because if you're just performing, then like, what are you doing? You don't want to put on a show for anybody. So it's finding the right place. And when it comes to money too, like when money talks, like it's scary, but then you have to remember like, okay, what is the dotted line? Like you can also ask for your terms and service of any agreement. So before you sign, you like, see everything. You ask a lot of questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions, ask for more money, ask for, Hey, like, I don't feel comfortable saying these things. Like you have to find a way to find a mutually beneficial partnership outside of obviously like personal values, it's a whole different conversation. But when you are each signing a contract on what works for each party, you have some give and take too. So it's, it's always scary thinking of like, okay, dollar signs get bigger. What do I want to do? Can I manage all this? I have 14 things going on. Does it look weird or inauthentic if I do this? Awesome. Thank you guys for sharing. I love what you said, Paige, about it being kind of like corporate social responsibility. I've never heard it put that way, but I think that's almost the perfect way to describe it. Um, Even though you guys aren't necessarily corporations or entities, but you're still, you work for yourself. And so it's kind of like, what is my stance on this? How do I see this? How am I going to, not in a performative way, but how am I going to put out a PR statement that is representing who I am, you know? Exactly. And that's what consumers are expecting from their brands now, be it personal or professional brands. Yeah. So for you guys, there has been, and I'm sure you've heard of it, I'm sure you maybe even participated in in it, this debate between an influencer and a content creator. And so I want to know from both of you, what would you say is the difference between the two and how would you describe yourself? There's some debate. I feel like i I, I feel like the word content creator and the word influencer and the word talent get crossed around. Anytime I obviously work at a publisher, I see a lot of contracts. I see the word talent a lot in the contract because that's like the legal term we've now seen a lot more because influencing can have digital or not. Like you can consider a celebrity an influencer, anyone who has just like a power. When you contractually sign between an agency, it's like who is who is the beneficiary? We're benefiting the talent, like the talent of some sort, the talent to, to gain a following, the talent to be notable, the talent to be in the spotlight or the talent to create content. Content creator, I think, approaches the term of like, you made a product, you made a physical product. Influencing is, I could have just told you something in passing and and it had an action or an impact on you. I've definitely seen a lot of people, again, like steer with both, but I, I prefer for me, like the word talent because everyone's talented their own ways. Like Kim Kardashian has a talent to make people buy skims. And like, sure, like 
I see those ads and I'm like, cool, like I may want to buy it for myself. There's a talent to everything. And to for some people to not recognize any of those as talents, like whether you have a following or not, everyone has a talent that someone's always interested in. Very true. And I think definitely at least for myself, because I feel like I fall in between content and influencer for what I do on YouTube, but I'm always referred to as talent on contracts when signing with brands. And I think in the Venn diagram and the scheme of things, content creator is someone who makes it get produces their own product, be it print or digital. And influencer doesn't necessarily do that. They can overlap, but more so they just maybe receive a product from a brand and you know have an influence where they can try to promote it. For you guys, what is one thing that people might not know about being an influencer, whether it be the lifestyle that you live, your workflow, the opportunities, if you could share just one thing that people might not know from necessarily the content that you put out. I would say that it's not the full picture you're seeing online. And I try so hard to be as authentic and genuine as possible in my blogs because I want to have that real connection with my community online. But still, people will make assumptions. People will presume things about my life. They meet me on campus. They think they know everything. They're like, oh, you're the YouTube girl. I'm like, that's not my entire identity. I'm like, okay, geez, like, <laughs> don't put me in a box, man. And I think that's probably what happens the most. I, and now when I see other YouTubers and content creators or whatever it may be, influencers on Instagram, I'm always very cognizant of the fact. I'm like, this is just what they're showing us. It's not necessarily everything. Yeah. I have to say mine's like kind of like a pivot, but I think when you get asked to do stuff, it's fast. Like when you get asked to do something, whenever someone as a friend even asks you like, hey, can you like help me move this one day? That's already in your head. And it's like constantly spinning. And then someone will remind you about it and ask. And you're like, I still want to think about this. I still want to take my time with it. I don't want to offend you. I don't want to say no, but I don't think I'm free. So you have to think about too, like there are so many people who will contact you on a daily basis at times. And all these negotiations and more happen fast. Sometimes people ask for things, wild timelines. They're like, so now that we've agreed to this, you're free tomorrow, right? The thing is people think that also talent have indisposable time. And so the timelines are, are weird for a space in digital media because whether you're talent or not on the brand side, like media moves fast. And so just because sometimes someone thinks they can contract you there's also rights like at a day-to-day nine to five you have benefits you have hr you have more when you're by yourself there are liabilities that happen whether it's you contract someone on top of your contract or more there's just so many more things you have to think about of like can i do this and is it going to happen without a domino effect falling so i always think about that at least like there are so many things people don't know they don't see the behind the scenes of like we're about to do this thing, pull the lever, Kronk, like, let's go. And I'm just like, okay, give me some time. That's it. <laughs> like, Cool. And so last question, where do you guys see your careers going from here? I know that's a very big question and you might not have all the answers, but I think that would be cool just to see, you know, what you're doing now and even what you aspire to do. Just so listeners who are, you know, a part of the conversation so that they know that there's more to your career than just what you present online, like you were alluding to earlier, Paige. Yeah, totally. And I mean, if you asked me this question a year ago, I would have said, I'm going to be a YouTuber for the next four years, probably do it after graduation for as long as I can. But asking me now, current Paige, 
thinks that I'm probably not going to do YouTube forever. I would love to try to parlay some of the digital video editing skills into some other type of area. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but any other department, like advertising agency would love to work in one, be an account executive, account management, and anywhere I can just try to use those the digital and social media skills that I've kind of garnered already just through this thing that fell into my lap would be fantastic. So I don't hope to do YouTube or influencing forever per se, but I would love to work in a realm that still has those things and incorporates those things. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happens from here. I mean, pan and all happened and we all saw like the biggest shift in our lives like if you told me two years ago what I'd be doing now making videos from home for a publisher teleprompter and all lights that live in my living room I'd be like no don't know her and it's just wild that life changes like everything five years ago versus now I can't recognize that person so I can tell you like okay my five-year game plan is this but what life has for me is Rubik's Cube something else it's twists and turns. Um, I don't know. I I really enjoyed, you know, being able to tell stories online, being a reporter, being able to be an on-camera host. And now it's it's something that I am very humbled by still. And I try not to like sit and and be like, I'm mm -hmm. the top two percent of whatever field. I'm like, things change, things change fast. So just being grounded and having a plan financially, um, personally, all all changes. And that's my biggest thing is like just to sit, stay grounded and just keep keep things low. Like if things happen, cool, still live it on the DL. Like I'm still bopping around and sitting at home on Friday nights watching movies. Not like anything's changed. I'm still the same old person. But in terms of what I know it's coming next, I don't know. And I'm just going to, I guess, still be counting my blessings, thank the people around me and and just continue being Andy. <laughs> Aww, I, love that. I love that as well do you guys have anything that you wanted to add that we didn't get a chance to touch on honestly I just say like make sure you get outside that's my thing like online is a lot like you are constantly on your phones and your devices and we now are in about 2022 make sure you go exercise go for a walk I feel like we're always on our devices and if people forget about one thing it's like we're always on something but we literally talk to nobody like I have my boyfriend in my apartment right now but like, have I seen anybody else today? No. Did I feel like I talked to 50 people? Absolutely. Go outside. Go do something. <laughs> and on that note, thank you guys so much for being a part of the podcast, for being a part of this episode. I really appreciated talking to you today. Of course. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Media in the Mix is a production from the School of Communication at American University. Our podcast is available for listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and wherever else you can stream podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn to see how our community is changing media one step at a time. Catch you on the next one.